Thanks so much for finding us here at the Morning Glory Project. I'm your host, Betsy Graziani-Fassbender, and my co-producer, Angela Washington, and I are ever so proud and honored to bring the stories of amazing people to you. These are survivors, thrivers, innovators, and trailblazers who tell us not just their stories, but how they got through whatever they got through to get to where they are. We hope you find them as inspiring as we do. Thanks so much for listening and for giving us the honor of your time. I'm very happy today to welcome to the Morning Glory Project, Jennifer Marshall. Jennifer experienced four psychotic hospitalizations within five years, two before any diagnosis was reached, and two more because she was trying to protect her newborn son during her own postpartum psychosis and her unborn daughter as well. All of those hospitalizations were because she was unmedicated at the time. Then seven years later, after a seven-year period of stability, she suffered a manic episode after the sudden death of a dear friend and the partner who had helped her launch her nonprofit, Anne-Marie Ames. Living in recovery is a daily struggle, but she's determined to live successfully despite the condition. She's so fortunate to have a loving and supportive family and friends who are there for her when she needs them. That's the official intro for Jennifer Marshall, but I want to give a personal one. And that is that I um, met Jennifer. She likely would not have remembered me, and that's fine. At the launch of a book, an anthology in which I have a piece, it's published by Amy Ferris. The book is Shades of Blue. And we launched in Los Angeles at a beautiful event sponsored by This Is My Brave, which is one of Jennifer's huge accomplishments um, that we'll talk about in a moment. But my first vision of Jennifer, I didn't know who she was. She was walking around. She's petite of stature and adorable to look at in in the ways that the world would find adorable. She could be walking a runway. She was wearing a sparkly little dress and I thought, oh my gosh, that's an enviable person. And she was, despite her stature, large and in charge. She was organizing things backstage. And I remember the story I had in my head about this lovely looking person, about how she looked like the girls in high school that sat at the cool girls table, how she was different than me and I could never be like that, how her life must be ideal. And I had all this this weird story in my head, like we'd project onto the images of other people. And only when I heard her tell her story, did I realize that that old adage of not judging a book by its cover is more than an adage. It's a philosophy. And my misidentification of Jen was part of the dissolution of my uh, book and cover misreadings. So Jennifer Marshall, thank you so much for being part of the Morning Glory Project. And I'm happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Betsy. I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you for having me. So this is my brave. Can you tell me what it is and what prompted you to start it? And then we'll kind of go into what your journey was to getting there. Yeah. So this is my brave is a mental health storytelling organization where we allow and invite individuals to share their stories through creative expression. So poetry, original music, essay, comedy, dance, live on stage in front of an audience of several hundred people. And it's a very um, therapeutic 
and um, freeing experience that many, um, that's how they describe it is it's, it's a weight lifted off their shoulders, being able to share their story finally um, and free themselves of that stigma. Well, and, and apropos of the personal intro that I gave you, I've really come to believe that if you put me in a group of any size of people from two to 200 and blindfolded me and I tapped anyone on the shoulder, either they or someone very close to them struggles with mental illness uh, and some quite profoundly and that it's not so apparent from the outside. So this hiddenness of mental illness, I think allows us to define it ourselves and misdefine it if you will. And, and the quote that you posted recently, which you helped me to remember this morning accurately is I'm going to let you say it. I'm going to let you say the quote that you, that I was begging you to remind me of. Sure. We're never going to end the stigma surrounding mental illness until we put our names and faces on our stories. And I firmly believe that. So putting your names, this is sort of not posting anonymously. This is really coming out uh, of a different kind of closet than, than LGBTQ folks talk about, but coming out of the mental health closet of being revealed and destigmatizing this. I'm so touched by that. And I know that there are lots of people who feel the need and, and perhaps experience the need to hide mental illness because it could hamper their professional endeavors or keep other people or have people stigmatize them or view them differently or keep people from partnering with them or loving them or befriending them in some way. So I don't want to pretend the stigma is gone, but what you're doing is busting a lot of the doors off of the, that particular closet so that it becomes less stigmatized than it is today. And so many people say when they share their story that they get a resounding me too. And I've gone through that as well. And they get that support around them and that's what it's all about is, is lifting the stigma. There should not be any stigma around it. It's the same, you know, physical health and mental health should be equally thought about and taken care of. I was watching a recorded episode this morning. I, I watched Sunday morning on CBS uh, because it often has revealing stories. And there was an interview of Michael J. Fox on that story, who's an inspiring figure, no doubt. And, and I deeply admire all that he's done to, to put a face on Parkinson's disease and all that. But I noticed that it's kind of fine to talk about a physical disability today. A century ago, that might not have been the case, but it's it's fine today to talk about being a cancer survivor or having MS or any of those kinds of things. But it still is a little cringy, right, to to be out about mental illness. Sure. But I think that we're getting closer and closer to dissolving that stigma. The more people that come out, the more um, celebrities and athletes and um public figures uh, that tell their stories really help normalize it. Mm. So tell me your story, because what you were struggling with was is, I shouldn't put in the past tense, is bipolar disorder. Can you tell me about your journey with that? Yeah. So my journey started when I was, I was 25, about to turn 26 and had a week at work where was very, very stressed and under a lot of pressure. And I didn't sleep that whole week. I barely slept. And I 
it culminated in a manic episode with psychosis and I had to be hospitalized and we didn't know, you know, what was happening to me and and didn't really have any answers after that first hospitalization. But then I took a little time off and then I went back to work and within two weeks it happened again. And I was hospitalized on Christmas day in Mm. 2005. And that was the beginning of our journey really um, of, figuring out what, what had happened to me and what I was going through. And so I started seeing psychiatrists and we got second opinions and third opinions. And I started seeing a therapist regularly and taking medication. And, and luckily within a couple months, I saw a doctor who correctly diagnosed me with type one bipolar disorder. And I began on a treatment plan to address those symptoms. And it took a long time. I ended up having to resign from the job that I loved and was super successful at. And that caused me to fall into a clinical depression because I felt like I lost my identity. And so I grappled with that for a long time and finally tried a new medication that ended up being the one that worked for me at the time. And uh, I started to come out of that depression and started to feel like myself again and got another job got stable. And a year later, my husband and I decided, you know, well, that's all behind us. Let's try and start a family. And so we ended up having our first child. And during the months that I was pregnant, I had tapered off with the, under the direction of my doctor, tapered off the medicine, um, and had a successful pregnancy. And unfortunately though, four weeks postpartum, I had postpartum psychosis. I was breastfeeding and not sleeping and the stress of it all. The normal stuff of motherhood. Exactly. Stress of it all got to me and I ended up having to be hospitalized for a week and got back on my medication, got stable again. And, you know, it was a slow process, but I fell into um, just motherhood and enjoyed being a stay-at-home mom and taking care of my baby. And then a year later, we wanted to have just one more child. And I said, I'll stay on the medicine but I don't want to be on the, in the first trimester because that's when the baby's heart forms. And that, that was the risk of this particular medicine. So I tapered off of it when we got pregnant. And within a week, I was manic again and had to be hospitalized. I was five weeks pregnant with our daughter, had to go back on psychiatric medications. And thankfully, she was born completely healthy. Uh, and I got back on my recovery path. And it was a couple years later that I had the idea to launch This Is My Brave. Well, so I want to go backwards and then come forward again. The backward that I want to go to is, for those unfamiliar, can you describe what a manic episode is and and what an extreme manic episode that, that involves psychosis is? Because I think that anyone that has seen it knows what it is. But if you haven't seen it or experienced it, it can be baffling. Yeah. Mania is, I like to think of bipolar disorder as a 10 point scale and number five is where you want to stay. Ideally with your stability, you want to be at a five. And then as you inch your way up towards mania is a 10 and mania with psychosis is a 10, but that six, seven, eight is hypomania. So it's the stage before mania. Um, and mania is really an unraveling of the mind. It's really, you know, you lose touch with reality. You, um, you aren't able to put thoughts together cohesively. 
Um, you're, you talk very, very rapidly and don't make any sense. This is what happens to me. And the psychosis part of it is the scary part because that's where you really start hallucinating. So audio and visual hallucinations tend to happen, which can be, again, just very scary to all involved. So it can look, if, if you just met somebody and you'd never known them before, or you were a therapist and somebody walked in in a, an extreme manic phase and with psychosis, you would think perhaps they were schizophrenic or they were. you would have some other notion of what that looks like because you hadn't seen the other part. And I, I was, as a therapist, I always liken it to that old adage, that old story of you know, the five blind men describing the elephant, you know, one man is holding the trunk. And so he says, oh, it's like a tree. And another one has his hands against its side. And he says, no, it's a wall. The one has the tail and says, no, it's a rope. So when a therapist is trying to diagnose manic depressive, it used to be called manic depressive disorder. Now it's called bipolar disorder. It depends which part of the elephant shows up, right? <laughs> it's hard to know unless you get the full 360 of what that elephant looks like, you don't really know what it is. And so sometimes it takes, it takes artful, thoughtful diagnostician and taking inventory of over time to get a picture of what bipolar is, mm -hmm. how it can be both the 10, which is the psychotic mania, and also describe the one. Oh gosh, it's awful. The depression can just feel like the world is crashing in around you. Um, when I was clinically depressed, I just wanted to sleep all the time. The world kind of was just in shades of gray. It just, I really couldn't think forward and um, just super, super sad. Yeah. And for some, and I wrote about this in fictional form in a novel for some people that I, who suffer, who struggle with bipolar disorder, they kind of describe the mania as a party that they want to get back to, you know, like, like, Ooh, I was creative and smart and funny and wonderful then. And now I'm in this depressed state. But the reality is that both of those states are also causing harm to you, to your brain, to your relationships, to your life, whatever they are. And, and we sometimes look at wildly creative or hyper energetic people in their manic phase and think, wow, they're really powerful. When in fact, they're kind of a mess. I, I don't know if he was ever diagnosed in this way. So I'm not presuming a diagnosis, but I think that people tend to equate that with like a Robin Williams on stage where there's this kind of wild, frenetic and creative, funny, crazy energy, um, which may have just been his performance. And so I'm, like I said, I'm not diagnosing him, but I think that that's what people kind of equate it to, but it's more than that. It goes into not sleeping for days and days and days. Exactly. The other symptoms are not sleeping, but also not needing to eat or drink. Um, and that's just an interesting, you know, symptom. But Well, it's kind of like being on cocaine, right? In a way. Not that I'm presuming you know that. I'm just saying that I know that, that cocaine and, and methamphetamine suppress the need to drink and eat mm. and and also cause that kind of frenetic energy. So it, it may be similar to what folks seek when they're using those chemicals as well. Mm. So tell me about what you've done with this. You've you didn't just sit with this this and and, and also I want to emphasize too that 
the medication of bipolar disorder is is as much art as it is science that finding the right medication for each person and it changes over time as their bodies change finding that and find helping them to be stable is is it takes a real artist of a psychiatrist or medical professional to help to do that and it takes patience on the part of the patient as well mm-hmm. i guess that's why they call them patients <laughs> so so it's not kind of a one and done kind of a deal it's an ongoing process of finding the medication and med- and the the constellation of medications that work well for you and and whose symptoms are not as troubling as they might be for some yes very much so i've gone through many different medication changes and um it's definitely not a one size fits all it's it's a process you have to try things you have to be willing to try things and um Luckily, I've had good doctors supporting me throughout the process, but. Well, so here, here's where I ask you, what do you think you have, in addition to good support and good doctors, what do you think is in you that keeps you striving to be stable? Because there are those that so easily pop off of the track and and go back into the, the kind of yo-yo of bipolar disorder and you have this desire to stay stable where do you think where do you think that what drives you uh i guess just wanting to live a good life i just i want to feel as good as i can feel and so i have to keep trying every day to stay stable and it it is a day-to-day thing it definitely is most recently i've gone through so many ups and downs in my bipolar and it's just been a constant struggle, but, um, you know, continuing to share my story and to write, and that really has been very therapeutic for me. So writing is part of what, what's been useful to you. And also then you've created not only this is my brave, which is essentially a forum for people to tell their stories, a forum for people, and not just bipolar disorder, people that struggle with depression or anxiety or eating disorders or suicide attempt or, or in my case, as a survivor of suicide loss. And so there was, this is my brave, but you've also then turned to filmmaking and to other, other endeavors. Can you tell me about those? Yeah, we were so lucky in, um, 2017, 2018 to be granted um, an, an inspiration grant from Alchemies, which allowed us to create our first film, which was our short film about This Is My Brave. And we did that with Principal Pictures and ever since have been connected with them. And um, after I stepped down as executive director of This Is My Brave at the end of 2021, I joined Principal Pictures as executive producer to facilitate the growth and expansion and, and distribution of Our Turn to Talk, which is our latest film, which follows 18-year-old Anastasia Vlasova, who interned under me at This Is My Brave. And it's her story of overcoming an eating disorder and anxiety and depression and social media use and how that it, how that um, really played into everything. Uh, and you see her go through her story, but also meet teens from across the country telling their stories as well for a podcast that she started with the same name, Our Turn to Talk. Our Turn to Talk. And that can be found 
Everywhere you get podcasts. Everywhere you get podcasts. And we'll have the links to that, of course, on our website as well. So tell me also, there, there was also a, a kind of delightful, touching turn to your children, the ones that you struggled so to protect uh, when you had them and when you were pregnant with them, are now how old? My son is 14 and my daughter is 12. So your son did a little something. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So after the kids saw my fifth manic episode, they saw the beginning of it before my husband was able to get me to the hospital. Um, he took that experience and wrote about it in therapy. And my daughter also wrote about it in therapy. They wrote these little books and he took that book and for an English project expanded upon it and wrote a book called my mom's mental illness. And we published it on Amazon. So I'm just so proud of him because it really showed how he was able to learn from the experience that, you know, that's not me. It's, it's an illness that I have and I'm always going to be his mom no matter what. And his, his reflection on it is just really profound. Hmm. Well, which is kind of an, another generation of this unveiling that I think that if we look at a generation or two back to have a parent with mental illness would be stigmatizing for that kid, something the kid would hide, something the kid would be afraid of. And here your son is not only informed about it because I'm guessing you and your partner <laughs> talk to him and, but that he's comfortable with having this out in the world, that this is who he is. And this is my mom's, it, it's not called a mom, my mom's mental illness. Him claiming this as part of his reality is really, honestly, Jen, it gives me kind of goosebumps <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to think about. It just shows other kids that if they're going through something similar that they can get through it, that it's, um, it's part of life. And like I said, it's, it's, the illness is not the parent. The parent is always going to be that mom or dad or, um, loved one. And, and it shows that you can grow through the experience. Hmm. So I want to ask you because Bipolar disorder and other mental illnesses, by the way, whether we're talking about eating disorders or depression or other things, because they aren't a one and done, because they aren't sort of like a, you get cured, ta-da. In addition to the support that you give, the medication that you give, what are your practices or daily decisions that you need to make to keep yourself healthy and to get through the, the challenging moments? Yeah, it's doing things that I know are good for me. So, you know, um, eating healthy every day or as, as much as I can. I'm not, I don't have a perfect diet, but just as much as I can and getting exercise every day. So for me, that means walking. I've just turned to walking as my form of exercise these days. And, um, and also reaching out when I need help, when I'm not feeling good, calling a friend or a loved one to say, I need someone to talk to. And those things really help me to stay balanced. So isn't it interesting that in a disorder that is biochemical, really, I mean, this is, this is how your body got made. That's that talking with someone helps. I mean, it, it's, it's a funny, and that writing helps that 
that those kinds of practices that are not medical in the classic sense, I can see why eating and sleeping and walking and those things are physical things. But I think that people underestimate those non-physical matters too, in terms of helping themselves through the hard times. Yeah. You can't underestimate the power of, you know, things like sleep and exercise and healthy eating. Those are so important when it comes to taking care of your brain. Well, and we, we did, we skipped over sleep actually, which in a recent episode aired here on the Morning Glory Project, we, I interviewed Mish and she talked about how sleep is absolutely, totally crucial to her mental health stability and recovery that she's, she's one of the most disciplined people. If you try to make an appointment with her, she says, no, you know, I'm, I'm much better if I start at 10 o'clock because I've given myself time for adequate sleep. Mm -hmm. are, are you as protective of your sleep? I am. We go to bed super early and I wake up early too, but um, making sure I get seven hours at a minimum is crucial. So eight hours is ideal, but seven hours is good too. Tell us where folks can find you and where they can learn more. Sure. My personal website is jennifermarshall.me. And that's Marshall with two L's. With two L's. And on social media, on Instagram, I'm at Jen Marshall Writes with two N's. Um, Twitter, I'm Bipolar Mom Life still. Um, and we'll have all of this on our website, by the way, for those of you listening in the car. <laughs> that's the best way. Jennifer Marshall, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for starting This Is My Brave and that uh, I have to also add one personal addendum to the end of this conversation, which is that that event, my reading that story out loud was the first time I ever publicly shared my story. The Morning Glory Project would not exist had it not been for that opportunity. Wow. So to Amy Ferris for publishing it, to you for celebrating it, and to This Is My Brave, which though you have stepped down, continues on, I'm very, very grateful for the courage that you give me. Oh, thank you. You know, there are those life lessons that I call perennials. <laughs> they just keep coming up over and over again. And I seem to need to learn them over and over again, hopefully in new layers. But I, I really think that this one is one that though I always have more to learn, I think I really get it now. And that's that adage that I mentioned with Jennifer Marshall, which is not judging a book by its cover. You know, it's very easy, particularly in a social media age where people are posting about their fabulous trips or their beautiful families or their accomplishments. And it's very easy to look at their beautiful lives and assume that everything is just perfect with them. Also, that our life can never possibly measure up to that. They are somehow an ideal that we could never reach. But that's a projection. They've given us a screen and we're projecting the rest of the movie on it, like that everything is easy for them or that they're always happy or that their life is wonderful and ours doesn't measure up. And the other extreme too, we can view somebody who looks a bit of a mess or is struggling or isn't as physically beautiful as the beauty standard we might 
put upon them. And we can think, oh my gosh, you know, they must really struggle or whatever. We're so often doing that. And I love that Jennifer is putting a face and a name onto mental illness, her face, her name. And that fills in the picture more, doesn't it? That, that I can't just look at this person that looks a certain way and assume that I know their story. I'm convinced, and every episode of the Morning Glory Project convinces me further, that everyone's got a struggle and that everyone's going through something and that everyone has gotten through something, whether it's a loss or a disappointment or a failure or a betrayal or an illness or an injury or mental illness or physical sickness that everybody is going through or has gone through something. And the book that we need to judge is the whole story that they know and that they tell about themselves. I'm really honored that Jennifer Marshall shared more of her story with us so that we can have a deeper understanding of the book that is her. And with that, I'll hope that you are living your story, that you're writing new chapters for yourself, and that you are finding your way to bloom. Thanks for listening to The Morning Glory Project. Take good care.